Well, there are two things that I have heard when it comes to Mother's Day. Uh, Number one is that Mother's Day sermons are usually boring and the worst. In fact, you know you're really rocking when your wife tells you after the first service, are you feeling well? Um, (laughs) So you have a lot to look forward to here in the second service. Um, The other is that uh, many moms hate coming to church on Mother's Day. Many women hate coming to church on Mother's Day. You know, it kind of reminds me of uh, some friends of ours that uh, for his wife's birthday, he got her a trash can because she said, you know, a couple weeks before that she really needed a new trash can. (laughs) And so, you know, it was good intentions. You know, he thought it was a good thing. That's what she wanted. (laughs) Um, But as you know, that uh, didn't work out too well. And so, you know, giving a a topical message on Mother's Day, it's got good intentions, I I assure you. But I was thinking about, you know, in the time that I've been a pastor, I've given 60 either Mother's Day or Father's Day messages, if you combine them, assuming that I gave topical messages on uh, on those days. And there, frankly, are some years I just skip it. But, you know, it's about having to be a, you know, a better mother and father. And sometimes people feel like they're being beat up you know, when you try to admonish moms and, and dads. And so that, that's not cool. Uh, and most people just aren't interested in hearing a variation of the same sermon for the 30th time. The fact is that some folks have lost their mothers and they want to avoid being reminded of their deceased parent by listening to a Mother's Day sermon. Others are are estranged from there. I realize why I'm feeling so naked is I don't have my Bible with me. So um, <laughs> let me go over here and, and get that, all right? Now I can preach. Thank you, thank you. I don't know why you were clapping, but... <laughs> so... You add to that the fact that uh, some are estranged from their mothers. Uh, There are uh, single women who want to be married. It's painful. There are those who deal with infertility. And you can understand why Mother's Day is not looked forward to, right? So preaching a sermon that causes anger or confusion or hurt, that's usually not considered a win, right? (laughs) Now, ideally, you want to encourage women And you want to especially cheer on the moms at at a time like this. Even those who have had children and and they've raised them, they realize, you know, this was a much tougher gig than what I had originally signed up for. Now, obviously, there are those that are thrilled to be moms, and we thank you for that. Um, And they find great fulfillment. And I think most people have seasons like that, usually. But often... Moms are stressed out. Often mothers don't feel terribly confident in the task that's before them. I mean, how many times have you had your three-year-old, you know, say to you, Mom, you're doing a great job, and and I know I'm really stressing you out, so why don't you just take the day off? (laughs) Uh, A mother cannot exactly take the weekend off from parenting right? The feeling that you don't measure up, that can be overwhelming. The fact is, when you're having fish sticks and mac and cheese 
for dinner, you don't feel like Bobby Flay. And Chip and Joanna have not shown up at your house to do a makeover. So things aren't the way you want them, right? I mean, society tells you that you have to be progressively minded. But the last time you conveyed your opinion on one of today's issues, you learned real quick that people are not quite as tolerant and accepting as they make themselves out to be, right? I mean, everywhere you turn, you feel like you're not measuring up. And you feel guilty for even having these feelings, even though you know that raising kids is awfully important. And it would be great if all moms felt like church was a safe place and, and that they were encouraged and there was no finger pointing. But even the most casual talk about, you know, vaccinations, breastfeeding, schooling, whether to spank your kids or not, just pushes a mom over the edge and says, nope. I'm not doing this anymore. Now, it might not be written down, but the realization is is that some churches have these subcultures where there's pressure and a social climate to conform to fit in. You know what I'm talking about, ladies? Yeah. Now, there is an expectation here at CCC, one that I want to declare, and that is that We all are learners of God's revelation to us. And so we want to seek his wisdom in our lives. And there are themes that run through the Bible, major themes that all of us are to connect with regardless of our station in life or our gender. Themes themes like sin, grace, redemption. It provides an intersection for, for all people in church. However, all of us approach the Bible through our own prisms, through our own experiences, through our own circumstances, and that impacts us on how we approach the Bible. I mean, one person may have lived a lifestyle, party lifestyle, with many sexual relationships. One may have been sexually abused. Another may have grown up with very angry and and manipulative parents. One may have had very gracious and and truth-seeking parents. To think that you can approach the Bible without cultural or personal experiences influence us, that's rather naive. They are. It's, you know, we we look at this through our own glasses, right, as we interpret the Scripture. And it's not that there's not a one meaning in the Scripture, it's just that we're influenced by these experiences and our circumstances. So here's, here's hope for all of us. Here's what I want us to hopefully catch hold of, is can God not meet us where we're at and help us transcend our circumstances and touch upon something that truly feeds our souls? Can he not do that? I believe he can I mean, there is an eternal reality of our union with Christ that should be the hallmark of every church that that welcomes that. I'm not talking about a cheap imitation or contrived joy. If there's anything I can't stand, it's the what appears, at least from this audience member, sometimes a, 
of fakeness, contriving happiness up on the stage, cheering us on like they're a carnival barker. I don't need that. I don't want that. I like joy. I like the genuine stuff, but I don't need a party every day. I think what we want, I'm talking about a Uh, All men and women coming to church, experiencing a life-affirming relationship with God and with others, regardless of the circumstances. Isn't that what we're after? But unfortunately, that's not the case for everyone. I mean, let's be honest. Yes, as a church, the message and the theme of the gospel is to be paramount in our mission. We relate to one another having a sense of these themes that kind of course through our veins of grace and redemption. And all of us are to, are to live out this redemption story in our community. And so what I'm inviting us to do today is to somehow drink of the deep waters and to have a little better understanding of our life in Christ. And that there are some things perhaps unique to that, being a, being a woman. Um, but that, that's to be had. That's to be experienced. That's, that's to be tasted for all of you, regardless of what station in life you find yourself. What I love about the Scripture is it provides for us a, a real-life slice by giving us a myriad of examples of less-than-ideal situations for women. For instance, we read of Eve, who struggled with accepting God's authority in her life. And by the way, that's a common human problem for all of us, right? Uh, But the the Word of God gives us kind of a little in-depth look at how it was experienced for her. And Eve teaches us that there are certainly consequences to a woman, and again, for any person, who spurns God's Instruction. So we look at Genesis 3. This is what it says. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field and that the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you're going to be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree and I ate. Then the Lord said to the woman, what is it that you've done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. The Lord said to the serpent, because you've done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. 
I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband and he shall rule over you. And to Adam, he said, because you've listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you in pain. You shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you are taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. I want you to notice the deception that was given by the evil one that we can spurn God's instruction without any consequence. In fact, the message was, listen, you just need to be free of all this legalism and moralism that God puts on you. You know, it's just a restraint, all this stuff about God's instruction. And Eve ate of the fruit. And there was this self-awareness that was not there before. And she and Adam covered themselves up, and they hid from God. It not only influenced their relationship with God, but with one another. And their, their physical nakedness, I think, is indicative of a, of a spiritual and emotional intimacy that they enjoyed up to that moment as well. I mean, there was a, there was a safety with one another. And then when sin entered the picture... That intimacy gave way to self-preoccupation. Again, it is a core problem of everybody in the human race. Sin, hiding, shame, hurt, inferiority, blaming one another, these kinds of things make it impossible to sustain a healthy relationship if they go unchecked. Again, this is not unique among women. It's prevalent in the whole human race. And there's only one answer for the human race in dealing with that problem, and that is the gospel being received and lived out in authentic family and church community. In fact, I would say this. The structure and covenant commitment of family and church keep us in community to work out our differences and problems to demonstrate the gospel. That's why the church is to be a living testimony of the gospel and the family, especially the the relationship between a man and wife, are to be a testimony of the gospel to a watching world. Instead of blame, instead of pointing fingers, there is grace. There is love that overcomes what? A multitude of sins. The life of Eve, it had its ups and downs. She lived long enough to see one of her sons murder one of her other children. I mean, the Bible story of redemption is not a painting of a cottage on a lake surrounded by a white picket fence. No, it's one that can be applied in the midst of tragedy and disappointment. Take Rahab. 
an unlikely candidate to be considered in the Hall of Fame of Faith in Hebrews 11. If you're not familiar with the story, Rahab was a prostitute. The Bible does not commend her practice, but it does commend her faith. She believed that there was one God of Israel who would keep his promise for Israel. And she sought out to help two spies who arrived at her door that said that their city was going to face some consequences. They were seeking a place to hide out, and she helped them. And we read in Hebrews eleven thirty one, by faith, Rahab the harlot did not perish along with those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in peace. I, mean, I gave you the story a few months ago of uh, me doing a wedding. I did not know it was going to be this kind of wedding. I was doing it as a favor for a friend, but the guy was marrying a stripper and other strippers were there in the audience looking like strippers. <laughs> and I'm like, holy mackerel, what have I got myself in? <laughs> Let me tell you, that reception was something. You ought to have seen that. I didn't go to the reception, all right. <laughs> Rahab should encourage us that we do not all fit in, that many of us have been rejected. We can relate to that. I'm sure she felt that. God commended this unlikely woman as a person of faith. I mean, woe unto us if we condemn the faith of somebody that God commends. It begs the question, imagine living your Christian life being perfectly accepted by God, but rejected by a church subculture. What is that about? That is about the experience that many people have had in church. That's what that's about. I mean, many people, especially if they're newly formed in Christ, don't know all the rules, right? They don't know the lingo. They're not hip to the unwritten codes. Well, let me ask you this. Which would you rather have? People around you who fit in and don't make you uncomfortable or a bunch of people who are sold out to Jesus and maybe embarrass you every once in a while? Without faith... It is impossible to please God. Rahab was a woman of faith, far from perfect. She struggled in life, but God includes her in the biblical record as a person of faith. That's encouraging for all of us. Many people feel as if they're just not clean enough, they're just not smart enough. They're, they're too far gone to be loved and pursued and welcomed by God. My friends, that's exactly the kind of people that God transforms. He specializes in that. I'd say to any woman today that there is great hope for you because of the gospel. There's a life-giving relationship available to you with the God of the universe. There's a type of fellowship and community that is based on real love and that goes out beyond themselves and, and serves others. That, that kind of life with great purpose is available 
to any of us. And as a woman, there, there's a place for you in the body of Christ. And yet again, that's not the experience of many women in church. Societal pressures, unrealistic expectations from some faith communities make celebrating the life in Christ a great challenge. It's especially tough for young moms. Take care of screaming kids, temper tantrums, cleaning up vomit, lack of sleep, food on the floor, being a taxi service for school athletics and, and activities. I want to let you know that there is a God who meets you at that mess at home with food on the floor. There's, there's a God who meets you in the midst of the screaming kids. There's a God who meets you there with relational strife with the family. There's a God who meets you in whatever circumstances you find yourself in. I mean, if God can meet a prostitute and transform her, I think he can meet us. He's asking you to look to him, to express faith in the fact that he's there, that he loves you, that he welcomes you. That's how Hebrews 11 defines faith. He's there, he remembers you, he loves you, he welcomes you. He's paying attention. Sometimes that's all I can hold on to, right? It's my hope that your relationship with other godly women in this fellowship, in this community, would be of great benefit and encouragement to you. And I'm here to tell you that those relationships that you have in the faith community can save you money. Did you know that there is a billion-dollar coaching industry that focuses on moms and dads? Billion as in a B. For anywhere from $125 to $350 an hour, you can get someone to be your own parenting coach who guides you in how to handle kids during homework or having a meltdown. So I just want to encourage you, last time I checked, our life groups are free. All women, women here today, I want to give you a message of hope, a message of a, a transcendent calling. All women, all women are influencers. And godly mothers especially are influencers of a particular type who have a built-in discipleship program right there in their home called children that you're helping to raise. Benjamin West was just trying to be a good babysitter for his little sister, Sally. While his mother was out, Benjamin found some bottles of colored ink and proceeded to paint Sally's portrait. And by the time Mrs. West returned, ink blots stained the table, the floor, and the chairs. Benjamin's mother surveyed the mess without a word, until she saw the picture. Picking it up, she exclaimed, why, this is Sally. And then she bent down and kissed her young son. In 1763, when he was 25 years old, Benjamin West was selected as the history painter to England's 
King George III. He became one of the most celebrated artists of his day. And commenting on his start as an artist, he said, my mother's kiss made me a painter. Her encouragement did more than rebuke ever could have done. You know, there's a great threat to our identity today, people who steal our social security numbers or credit cards. And there are businesses who tell us that you need to buy insurance to cover our rear ends when that happens, right? But there's a greater threat by the world, the flesh, or the devil to steal your identity or your worth in Christ. Ladies, young women, girls, your identity is much deeper than what you wear and what people just see on the outside. Proverbs 31.25, when speaking of women, says, strength and dignity are her, her clothing, and she smiles at the future. On the inside is a a real strength of character. The woman handles herself with such grace and dignity that these things shine forth, that whenever people see her, they notice her spirit. The godly woman doesn't have to fear whether enough people recognize her outer attractiveness because she has a a quiet confidence in God that he will meet her every need. And so what does she do? She smiles at the future. I don't have to have a man to approve of me. (laughs) If I had my wallet, I'd give you five bucks, but I don't have my wallet. I'm tapped out right now, right? (laughs) She can smile at the future. And a woman who smiles at the future walks with confidence because her identity is made up of things that only God can give her. And that's what she's holding on to. She embraces God's design and place in the world as a woman, something to be celebrated. I don't want it to get weird, and I certainly don't want to make you uncomfortable, but I'm going to ask every girl and every woman to stand right now. Every girl, every woman, stand. I want to speak to you a blessing. Then may your family and your church lift you up and call you blessed. May your church and may your family give you freedom to use your gifts as God has intended. May we make the way easy for each of you to be a woman of strength and dignity. And now I'm going to ask the men to pray for these women.